We're going to let the uh, children be dismissed for junior church. And I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Book of Genesis chapter 19. This morning we're going to be in uh, a text that is extremely difficult in many ways. Uh, complex. And as we were singing the last song, uh, this text is a text that tells you that God is seated on his throne. And he acts justly and perfectly, but there are times that we see the judgment of God and we question, we wrestle with getting our arms around the ramifications of the truth that we see revealed in the Word of God. This is a text that I promise you will stretch you. It's one that will make you at some levels uncomfortable. And I think the reminder that we need to give ourselves as we come into texts that are difficult, the reminder we need to give ourselves is this. As Christians, we stand under the Word of God, not over the Word of God. Okay, do you understand what I mean by that? God speaks to us. We stand under His truth. We are never in the place where we are dictating to God what is right and wrong about His purposes and plans. Sometimes we may have to say, God, I don't fully comprehend this text I don't understand this. I don't have the eternal perspective. I don't grasp your absolute and utter holiness as fully as I one day will. And so for that reason, we, we wrestle with passages like this. What I don't want to do is in any way apologize for what God's Word says. Okay, and so the reminder simply for us is that we stand under the Word of God as it speaks to us, not over it critiquing and editing. Let's begin reading in verse 1 of Genesis 19. And this follows the, uh, the meal and the promise of judgment that God has given in Genesis 18. Uh, God remains, speaks with Abraham. The two angels go towards the city of Sodom. And this text picks up with the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. Lot was standing in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he, Lot, insisted strongly, so strongly, that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out so that we may have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, do not do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out and you can do to them like you wish. But do not do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play judge or censor. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters? 
or anyone else in the city who belongs to you. Get them out of here. Because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out, spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry up and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking, jesting. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. The topic of my discussion this morning is the cost of compromise. I'm not going to deal with everything that's in this text. But I do want to deal with this sad and, I will say, in Lot's case, pathetic story of a man who became focused. The word that that I've heard used to describe this is he became myopic. He became a man who was focused on the temporal realm, on personal benefits, on acquisition and acquirement, so much so that he could see nothing else clearly. This he saw clearly. Okay, that he could go to Sodom and find a better life for himself and theoretically, in quotes, for his family. But Lot became myopic. He focused on a narrow-minded and short-sighted goal that led to devastation in his life. What I want to do is look at two things. I want to look at the steps of compromise in Lot's life and I want to look at the cost of compromise in Lot's life. Okay, so first let's look at this thought about the steps of compromise in Lot's life. To do that, you have to scroll back six chapters to Genesis 13. So keep your fingers in Genesis 19. Just roll back to Genesis 13 with me real quickly. You remember the, the, the situation when Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdmen experienced some degrees of conflict over property over grazing grounds and over flocks and there's this debate that comes up an argument and Lot and Abraham steps up and says hey Lot choose whatever you want I'll take what's left okay a magnanimous effort on the part of Abraham to quell this instinct in Lot this aggressive nature in Lot verse 10 of Genesis 13 it says that Lot hearing this offer Okay, he's the young, wise guy. Uh, Abraham is the old, naive uncle. Okay, and Lot's kind of negotiating in his mind. He's thinking, wow, this is my opportunity to get the very best. Verse 10 of Genesis 13, Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of, that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zoar. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, now what I want, to, what you to do is this. I want you to think of the steps of compromise that are present in, present in Lot's life, and then we'll move towards looking at what are the cost of the compromise that Lot engaged in. So what are the steps? Okay, The first step that I see, according to this text, is Lot chose based on appearances. He made wise fiscal decisions. Okay, he saw a land that was well watered. A lot of the de- debates in the area of northern Palestine were over wells and who had the water to feed their flocks, who could get the best crops. All those sorts of things are present. Lot saw something that was well watered. He wanted the good life. 
more than I believe he wanted anything else. His desire to be comfortable overwhelmed all of his other desires. And so Lot makes a decision based simply upon what was fiscally and personally wise. Another thing that Lot did in this steps of compromise. Okay, so he chose based first on appearances, what looked to be the best. Secondly, Lot ignored the moral influences of the valley for the sake of personal gain. Okay, what I mean by that is he went into the valley where Sodom and Gomorrah were, and he was so focused on material possessions that he became oblivious to the moral, negative, profound influences that were around him. Okay, so he's, he's, he's got his eye on a prize, on a goal. He sees nothing else. Okay, because that has become the singular greatest motivating factor in his life. And, and what is amazing is that the reputation of this city and of this valley is already present. Verse 10 tells us this was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. Verse 12, Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities on the plain and pitched his tent there. Now verse 13 then gives us the ominous warning that hangs over this text very powerfully. Okay, what does it say? It says, now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. That is the part that Lot completely ignored. Why? When he looked at the city of Sodom, what did he see? He saw a place where he could get the good life. Did he see everything else that was there? I think the text is clear. I think he saw everything that was there, but it didn't change his decision. Why? Because he was valuing temporary things over the morality and well-being of his own family. Okay, and that was a devastating choice on the part of Lot. He ignored the moral influences for personal gain. Perhaps thinking, I can do better for myself over there. He wanted the success and abundance that his uncle had. And he found a place where he could get it. All right, and his whole life is driven by this sort of rationalization. When you come to chapter 19, verses 2 and 3, you find why Lot doesn't want to let these two men in the village square. It says that he knew what would happen. He was convinced that moral depravity would take place that night if he did not protect these men. And so what does he do? He invites them in, they resist, and then he insists that they come into his house. And here's what's amazing to me. Lot was willing to live in that environment, okay? And, 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 and the ambiguity or the, the, the paradox of it is that while he was willing to live there, he would not allow these two men that he had some degree of respect and honor for. We're not sure exactly what all of that means, that he recognized them as messengers from God. We don't know for sure. But what we do know is this, he would not let them stay in the city square, yet he was willing to raise his family there. Okay, and, that's, and you're going to see a, a number of times, you're going to go, are you kidding me? Okay, could that be? Okay, that's the, what, he became focused on what he wanted out of life and could not see all the other things that were destroying the very life that he was seeking to preserve. He thought he could stay close to that city and be un affected so he chose what looked best and the last thing that we see in these steps of compromise is that lot experienced an inevitable progression in sin 
Okay, he played around the edges of it. Eventually, it begins to swallow him. It begins to redefine him. It messes with his moral compass. He's like a pilot flying in fog without any kind of avionics. Okay, he's just, he's just going in. And what happens? He's going to begin in this moral compromise to lose any sense of moral clarity. I want you to notice this progression. Chapter 13, verse 10, he looked towards Sodom. And chose the better part. Chapter 13 and verse 12. He lived in a tent near Sodom. And here's the difference between Lot and Abraham. Abraham gets to a new place. What does Abraham do? He sets up a place where God will be remembered. Okay? Old Testament, what is it? He sets up an altar. He sets up a church. A place where God will be remembered. You will never find Lot doing that in the pages of Scripture. Okay, why? Because he suffered from this. He was focused on the temporal realm in an excessive sort of way. So he, he looked towards it. He lived near it, pitched a tent near it. And then chapter 14 and verse 12 says that he was living in Sodom. You remember the war that took place when uh, kings come against the city of Sodom, take Lot and many others, take them away captive. Abraham goes and rescues Lot and brings him back. Where was Lot when that happened? He was living in Sodom. He looked towards it, he pitched his tent near it, and then suddenly what happens? Inevitably. Why? Because that's what he wanted. Okay, those desires, those compromises were the driving influences of his life. So it is not a surprise when we come to this text 25 years later. And folks, this is the part that I hope it jumps out to you. Lot has been on this course for 25 years. Compromise had become normative for Lot. He just, he lacked any moral clarity. So verse 1 of chapter 19, it says that the angels arrive at Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. And here's, just if, if you don't know a lot about ancient cities, the gateway was the place where city business were done. It's where commercial transactions happened. It's where legal transactions happened. It's where business took place. What has happened to Lot? He looked, he put his tents near, he moved in, and now what has he done? He's getting exactly what he wanted. Okay, everything is starting to move in the direction of Lot. He's got a position of political influence and gain. His personal and political ambitions have been met. Where? In a wicked place. He's achieved a position of prominence, and influence. He owns a house there. Verse 2. He invites these men to come and stay at his house. He has friends there. Verse 7. That are wicked people that he has to plead with. And verse 14 tells us that his daughters. Have become engaged. To men from the city. Okay that's the, the progress. That's the immersion of Lot into the city of Sodom. He got honor at the cost of silence, however. All right, he had the respect, but what had he been? He had been completely silent about the morality that he knew about through his uncle Abraham. And that silence, that compromise in regards to truth, has given him a bit of an escalator. He's, he's starting to move up. He's experiencing upward mobility. And it looks like everything is going fine in Lot's life. But the truth is that everything in Lot's life is falling apart. If you look back, you would say, you know what? It looks like Lot made the right decision when he had that encounter with his, his uncle Abraham. It looks like 
he chose the better part. And it looks like Lot is, quite frankly, a winner. But a verse from the book of Proverbs haunts you, haunt you when you read this story. A verse in Proverbs says this. It says, can a man take hot coals into his lap and not be burned? Okay? Can you take... And we were at the Kelly's last night for our Fire on the Hill celebration. Could you reach into that pit, take hot burning red embers, place them on your lap and say, I'm fine. Okay, if you saw someone or even heard someone talking about doing that, you would think them to be absolutely absurd and crazy. You would. You would say, how unfortunate. But isn't that exactly what Lot is doing? He's playing with fire. He's living in a context of immorality, and that immorality is seeping into his life. Folks, I'm going to say this just as a, as a, as a clarifier. There is nothing wrong with us being in the city, okay? But there is something wrong when the city begins to creep into us, okay? And what Lot failed to do was to maintain some degree of distinction between himself and the world around him. He, he had perfected the art of compromise. He had learned how to get gain out of subtle sacrifices and losses in the realm of morality. And it was beginning to swallow his own life and his family. One writer years ago said this. He said, it's good for a boat to be in the water. And it's not good for a boat to be in the water. As Christians, we can be and should be in the world, influencing and making a difference. But when we submerge ourselves in the influences of the world and lose our distinction it becomes devastating to our lives. Lot has taken his family not into the water, but into the water. And the influences of the culture are beginning to do what? They're beginning to seep all through every part of his life. And in some ways he is oblivious to the cost that will be his. So these men come into the city. They have come to render judgment. Lot sees them. He insists that they come into his house for the sake of protection. They resist at first, and then Lot demonstrates that he actually does understand how seriously and morally bad things are in the city of Sodom. He insists with them that they not stay in the city square, verses 2 to 3, and he begs them to come into his house. Verses 4 and 5, the true character of the city is revealed. What Lot suspected would happen actually happened. But he was willing to live in a place where that was tolerated. Okay, and that to me is part of the, the ambiguity. I want to say this. As you read this, okay, it is easy to look at that and to look at America and say, we are so much better off than they are. Okay, I want to challenge that assumption. Okay, we live in a world that is saturated with moral perversion. And many are unaware of it or have slipped into it. Okay, Lot, Lot was in the city, but the city began to get into Lot. Okay, yeah, I mean, is it, as, is it as visible as it was in the city of Sodom? Well, I think the answer is obviously no. But at the same time, I want to say that some of the, you know, kind of TV shows that are put off as entertainment are nothing more than perversion put on parade. And we live in a country that embraces it and that, enjoys it okay folks so we're not a lot better off okay the things that are out there on the internet that are accessible that get into the houses of people's lives 
Okay, our destructive end, it, it's, sin is sin. Okay, and sometimes we end up playing with it. Okay, and we don't take it seriously. And God's commands to flee it are not taken seriously by us. Lot is going to experience serious losses in his life because he failed to see clearly the nature of the world in which he lived and he didn't protect his life and his family's life from it. Okay, and I want to tell you this morning, the influences are out there and they are easily accessible. Okay, and we need to have our eyes open in our country to the nature of the situation in which we live. Okay, so it doesn't do us a lot of good to read this text and say, boy, I'm glad I didn't live there. Everything's good where I live. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I, I believe that that would be naive on your part. Okay, to think that it's not that bad where we live. It's not as public where we live. Okay, but it is present where we live. What does the compromise of Lot cost him? I just want to move through this text, and I want to observe five things that Lot loses, or that he sacrificed, things that he paid for dearly. First one is this. Lot was harassed and lost his witness. Okay, he was harassed and lost his witness. When, when the men of the city come and begin knocking on the door, and what do you find? You find there's a pervasive wickedness. They are people of all ages who are at the door knocking, looking for their pleasure. Okay, that's what happens. Lot steps out and uses the word friend to address them. Why? Because he had assimilated into the culture. These were his business partners. These were people that he hung out with. In a way, can I say this, that was quite different than the way that Jesus hung out with the same people? Okay? Lot hung out with them but was silent so that he could have influence. Jesus hung out with them and spoke the truth so that he could deliver them and exercise a greater influence. Okay? And so, be in the world, but be there like Jesus was. Be there with a the, with the message on your lips, with a heart to see forgiveness and reconciliation. Be a person of influence, salt and light. Lot was there. His influence was negative, because he acted like nothing was wrong. The result is that when he begins to speak to these friends... What does it say? Look at verse 6. Lot went outside to meet them, shut the door behind them, and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Go down to verse 9. It says, get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play judge? We'll treat you worse than them. What kind of friends are these? Okay, what, what kind of alliances has Lot built? Are people that when he speaks to them, they completely shake him off. Why? He sounds ridiculous standing up for truth. Because his life has been so full of what? Compromise. Folks, if you get into relationships and you tolerate all kinds of things that you shouldn't be tolerating around you without ever speaking a word to help people and to be salt and light, when you finally do speak, this is how you will sound. Okay? You will be disregarded. Because we, as Christians, need to be sure that when we move into relationships, we are people of influence from the beginning. Not just when something's going to be illegal, but also when things are immoral. Okay, we need to be a voice in our culture for righteousness. Verse 9, they harass him and give him the name uh, uh, censor. Oh, he came here as an alien, now he's our judge. Okay, they're mystified by this sudden change. That has come with the visit of these two men. 
the visit of these two men did something. It provoked the conscience of Lot. These were holy messengers. And here to me is what's said. He would live there with his family and not protect them. Okay? But when these two men came, something clicked and probably, and oh no, what have I done for 25 years? Lot lost his witness, but here's what's said. The city of Sodom lost its witness. Folks, do you understand what happens when we compromise? The city that needed the truth had a man of truth in their midst, but never heard the message. Why? Because here was Lot. Focused on the good life, focused on the things that he wanted. While the city went to hell and while some of his kids literally go to hell. Okay? When we compromise, we sacrifice the precious privilege. Dad, mom, we sacrifice. Young adult, you sacrifice the privilege of being light, of making a difference in people's lives. Why? Because what do we want? We so desperately want to be accepted that we compromise on moral standards. And then when something illegal is brought up and we finally speak up, they're like, what's the problem? You've been okay with compromise all along and now you want to stand. And you... All of a sudden you realize what? I have no credibility with these people. I don't have a message to share with these people. Secondly, we find that Lot lost the ability to make good moral decisions. And this to me is the most troubling part of this text, verses 8 and 9. And I'm not even going to read through it again. Lot opposed the behavior of the men. Right? He goes out, don't do this wicked thing. And then does that. And you're thinking to yourself, what? His life has become characterized by hypocrisy. Why? Because he's harboring affections for the world and trying to stand for truth at the same time. And what is he finding? He's finding it is impossible to love the world and love God fully simultaneously. Can't happen. What's the end result? You become morally ambiguous. You get morally foggy. You can't figure out what's right and what's wrong. You can't make good decisions. You could ask yourself the question, how could a father do what's mentioned in this text? And here I think is the very simple answer. Sin will make you insane. Okay, it will make things that are wrong seem right, and it will make things that are right seem wrong. That's where Lot is. While prohibiting one sin, he's promoting another at the expense of his kids. What is that? That's crazy. And folks, understand this. Please understand this. And I, I thought about my tone for this sermon. I thought, I said, God, I want this to be a plea. I don't want this to be, you know, beating up on dad so they leave feeling guilty again. I don't want it to be that. But I want you to know. Okay, if you... Get morally foggy. If you change your focus from the grand scheme of God's picture to the little things in life that you want, it will destroy your ability to make good decisions that will guide the life of your children. You'll know that they need you to stand up and say, I can't let you do this. Okay, I remember saying this to my girls sometimes. Warning ahead of time, you know. If you ever get into something like this, I will stand in your way. I will not let you get down that road. Folks, here's what happens. Sin 
Sin will kill your conviction. Hidden sin in your life will make it impossible for you to speak to the true, desperate needs that your kids have. Same thing is true with friends. Okay, that kind of compromise will kill your ability to render effective and helpful decisions. Lot is wrestling with something here that I can't explain in any other way than, other than saying that it is a very sad hypocrisy that he's experiencing. While condemning one thing, he's offering something that is seemingly even worse and more horrific. Sin complicates our lives. Lot's past choice to live in Sodom has led him to an impossible situation. Do you see? His choice to choose the good life has led him into an impossible situation where he doesn't even know who deserves his protection. And I think in the end, in this case, this loss of moral compass, okay, I think Lot in this text does something he thought he would never be able to do. I'm absolutely confident that Lot in this saw and did something that he thought could never, could never happen. But it's where compromise will take us. And what we learn in the next two verses is that God is our only hope for rescue. Verses 10 and 11, the men that are inside reach out and drag Lot in to protect his life. And then strike the men outside with blindness that really is what they were already. Verses 12 and 13. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? Get them out of here and everything that belongs to you. Because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Okay, and what's happening here? God's judgment is just and amazingly patient. But eventually there is a day when it comes. Okay, God's judgment is amazingly patient and just. There is a day when it finally is mandated. Okay, that's the thing that I see in this text. God says to Lot, go be a missionary to your family. In that attempt to be a missionary to his family, verse 14, we find the next thing that Lot lost. The text says, so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry up and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy this city. But his sons-in-law thought that he was joking. Okay, that is an amazing statement. And you have to ask yourself, why would they respond in such a way? And can I just simply venture what I believe is the answer to the question without a, a drawn-up discussion about it? They had never heard him talk about the judgment of God. Because he had never taken sin seriously, there couldn't be any consequence to their choices. So when he talked about consequences falling on the city, what did they do? They said, you've got to be joking. You have got to be kidding. They thought he was jesting. What did he lose? He lost credibility and influence with those that were closest to him. He pleads earnestly with them. And they thought he was joking. And I think they believe that he is joking because they have never heard him stand up for truth before. Okay, he appears to be completely out of touch with reality to them. And he is a man who is unable in many ways 
to save those that were dearest to him. His compromise had made him literally unbelievable. And as a result, he is unable to fulfill his role as the protector of his family. Verses 15 and 16. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. What had Lot lost? He had lost the will to do what was right. He was struggling, responding to the clear directive and call of God. Get out of here. Okay, now you can read that and say, I am stunned that he could be that stubborn when he is dealing with angelic messengers, that unclear, that unable. Folks, can we just drift back into our own lives again? And say that we here please to avoid sin, to flee from sin, to run from sin. And what do we tend to do? We tend to play with sin. We tend not to take it seriously. We tend to think that you can take coals into your lap and not be burned. And this text, I think, gives us a clear call from God that when he says move, he is serious. And and what amazes me in this account is Lot hesitates and they, as one said, they grab him by the ear and drag him out of the city. I mean, he can't make the decision. Why? He loves the city. He loves everything that he's gotten there. And he can't bear the thought of leaving it all behind. And so he's in this ambivalence. What does God do? And this to me is an amazing demonstration of sovereign grace. God says, Lot, I came to get you and you're going with me. An irresistible call of sovereign grace. Lot, you're going. Doesn't give him a choice. He ignores his decision and drags him out of that city. There's a reason for that we'll come to in one moment. Second Peter chapter 7. Or chapter 2 and verse 7 says this. It says, if God rescued Lot, a righteous man, that is that he was a believer, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, if God rescued him, if that is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to uphold the unrighteous for the day of judgment. Folks, this is... An amazing promise wrapped up in this. Okay? In the rescue of Lot from Sodom. Peter later will interpret that to mean this. If God rescued Lot, then here's the truth that all of us need to know. God can rescue you. You know what happens? We get caught in the trap of sin and shame. And we think there isn't an escape. You know what God is saying through Lot? I can rescue you. In the midst of this story that is full of things that are, quite frankly, at some level depressing, there's hope. There's hope for a man named Lot for his daughters, and there is for his wife, but she rejects it. God comes to rescue. God comes to save. I love the song that we sang earlier. Let no thought of of sin remain. Okay? Under that shame. God knows how 
to rescue. God desires to rescue. If we take sin seriously, He brings deliverance. Lot needed divine intervention. He needed divine protection for his family. And guess what? He got it even though he didn't deserve it. And you know what the text says? The text says God did that because he was merciful to Lot and his family. And he drugged them out of the city and gave them protection that they did not want and did not deserve. That to me is amazing grace. The last thought that emerges out of this text, and just mention this one quickly, Lot lost everything that was dear to him. He lost his wife, verse 26, who, just to be quite frank with you, I don't think there's any indication that Lot's wife was a believer. She could not bear the thought of living without the city that encapsulated all of that perversion. The thought of being apart from it, she couldn't. And the text says that she turned, and in the original language, the idea is she gazed longingly and with desire upon it. And her life was terminated. But that is an amazing statement of the seriousness of sin with God. He loses his wife because he took her there and allowed her to saturate her life in the influences of that city. And destruction was the result. It's a sad, sad statement. His daughters, verses 30 through 39, you, if, you, if you go and read there, you'll see that he loses them to deep immorality because they retain the corruption of Sodom. They were taken out of Sodom. But what became difficult was getting Sodom out of them. Why? Because he let them saturate there for 25 years. And was silent. So that when he finally speaks, it appears to be like, who in the world are you? Where have you been hiding? That's the feeling. They think he's jesting. And that leads me back to why did Lot go to Sodom in the beginning? He went to get the good life. He went to get all the perks of living in the city. Guess what? It's all gone. It is all gone. Destroyed by God, burn up, never rebuilt. You can go see the site of it on the eastern side of the Dead Sea today. Okay, that city is gone and stands as a reminder of the holiness of God. But you cannot look at that city and not remember the man and his family that God had to rescue from the city. But it took a while for Sodom to get out of the people that he rescued. Okay, because they allowed themselves to saturate in the perversion of that city. Lot lost everything that was dear to him. Folks, please understand this. When we incrementally compromise, and most compromise in our lives is not made with big decisions. It's little decisions. It's little clicks. It's little movies. It's little material things. It's little indiscretions that make up a compromised life. Those little moments, those little decisions as we talked about in our Sunday school class ultimately become your life. And for a lot, that life of compromise had led to devastation and caused him to lose everything. I asked this question at the beginning. When Abraham stayed where God called him to go and Lot went where God did not direct him to go, who looked like the winner? You know what? Lot looks like the winner. 25 years later, he's in the place of prominence. He's got the house. He's got the influence. He's got permanence. But Lot loses everything. You know who the winner is? The winner is the man of faith. The winner is Abraham. Why? Because Hebrews 11 says this. Abraham remained faithful to God. He was looking for a city. So was Lot. And so are you. 
You're looking for satisfaction. You're looking for joy. You're looking for peace. You're looking for comfort. Where can you find it? We tend to think that I can find it in the city here. Lot knew that he couldn't find it there. So what did he do? He lived as an alien and stranger. Why? Because he had set his hope on the price. The city that was to come. Folks, we live in the context of a city, if you will. We live in a certain sphere of influence and a certain population. You know what God wants us to do? God wants us to be distinct light to our community. He wants to be what Abraham was to the wicked areas of Canaan. He wants us to be people that make a difference. And I think as we draw to the end of this text, we, we, we at one level have to say to ourselves, resist the temptation to think that you are better than Lot. Okay, resist the temptation to think that I couldn't do something like that. Okay, because if you make perpetual, habitual, bad decisions, you can. You could do things that you think you could never possibly do if you ignore and grieve the Spirit of God in your life. So when you look at Lot, what should happen? Why did Moses record this story for the people of Israel? It served as a reminder of what can happen when God is ignored, when little compromises roll into big life decisions. It becomes very clear. And God, through this text, I think, is giving us and giving to the people of Israel that this was written for a very solemn warning about the seriousness of sin and about the holiness of God. No one in this room this morning is beyond hope. No one. If God could rescue Lot from that horrific situation, guess what? Peter later says, well, then he knows how to rescue you. All right, there is no trap that you were caught in that God can't get you out of by His grace and for His glory. And don't wait till the day that you deserve to be rescued because it will never come. You see, in Genesis 19, what happens? The judgment that is deserved falls on the city. In the New Testament, what happens? The judgment that I deserve falls on Jesus Christ. And I am set free from the consequence of my sin. And I am called to live for His glory and to make Him known to the world in which I live, to the city that God has called each one of us to live in. You will not encounter anyone in your life experience that is beyond the reach of God's grace. However, we must be serious about sin. And we must remember that the way of transgressors is hard. And you may need to ask yourself today, what, what compromises are tempting me right now? In this season of my life, in my marriage, in my relationship with my mate, in my use of the internet. What, what compromises are tempting you now that you need to make good decisions about by the power of the Spirit of God? Okay, what are those compromises that are drawing you, that are calling? What part of the city is seeking to get your attention and get you to become focused on that alone? Okay, identify it. Go to God with it. He is able to deliver. He desires to deliver. He calls himself our Savior. Why did God rescue Lot? Verse 27 tells us why. It says, early the next morning after the city of Sodom has been destroyed, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward the land of the plain. He saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, He remembered Abraham. 
and rescued Lot out of the catastrophe when the cities were destroyed. Why was Lot rescued? You know why? Because he had an uncle who prayed. He had an uncle who sought the face of God for his well-being. And this text tells us a lot was rescued because Abraham prayed. So I ask you this question. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying that the hand of a loving God would reach down and if need be, grab him by the ear and drag him out? Whose rescue are you pleading before the throne for? This text tells me that God is patient. But it also tells me that God is serious about sin. He destroyed the city because it would not repent. His patience, his patience in your life today is not approval. Don't, mis, don't mistake it for that. His patience is opportunity. His lack of giving you the judgment you deserve is your opportunity to fly to Jesus. To get out of the city of compromise. I don't know where it is in your life. But God's calling you. Step out of that city. Step out of that sphere of compromise. Step out of that realm where you will lose everything. And begin to live the really good life. Where there is fullness of joy. Where there is abundance. Jesus said I came that you might have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. Guess what Lot thought. Lot thought he would find it inside him. Abraham found it in the will of God. And so will you. Father, I pray that you would help us, each one of us here this morning.